Welcome to the Truth CSGO Podcast, episode 83. Today we're talking Star Series, iLeague, Season 8, the teams that are there and aren't there. And through that, we'll be covering a lot of the news of the last two weeks in Counter-Strike. And we're also going to end with a talk about comedy and tragedy and how to determine whether your life is one or the other. Hey guys, this is Electro. Hey guys, I'm Guardian. This is Daps. This is Nico. This is Nifty. This is Chris J. This is Ferry. Code Zero. Flusher. This is Kerrigan. Are you listening to the truth? The truth. The truth. The truth. The truth. The truth. The truth. CSGO podcast. The truth. CSGO podcast. The truth. CSGO podcast. Are we rushing in or are we going sneaky beaky like? Before we get started, this episode is brought to you by Christian Larson, Amin Brotep, Trace Bouchamp, Addison Eby, Hirodotsu, Gratisfaction's Moustache Sweat, and an arm and flat white because I'm a man of modern tastes. It's been 23 days since the last podcast. So I think that's pretty much the longest in between uh, eps. Basically, I got a bit burnt out with the major and then New York, and I had a lot of work in the real world to do. I had some hardcore deadlines. There's been a ton of roster changes. There's been the aforementioned tournaments plus DreamHack Rotterdam. And we are day one into Star Series Season 8 Finals. This is how insane the Counter-Strike tournament is. Basically just over three weeks and we get that many top-level tournaments. So rather than go over all the news that you've probably heard, let's just talk about Star Series. And I think, um, and the teams that aren't there and, and the teams that are there. And I think we'll get some of the news coming out naturally in uh, during the gab this is going to be an epic ramble to be honest with you but first uh, cs20 has been released that is a new case to commemorate the fact that counter-strike turned 20 years old this year a new case with a bunch of new skins they also have released new cash so if you haven't played it since the new cash has been released jump on the server check out all the ivy covered soviet greatness of the rework of that map to be honest i was not that impressed with it purely because the changes didn't seem that large. Uh, I think a rework is better than a redoing in terms of describing this the way this has been done. They've also released the old knife from 1.6, so I guess you can probably buy that on the Steam community marketplace if you're that keen. There's been people complaining that this has not been the same update that uh, other games get when they have anniversaries. And to those people... <clears throat> I would say, <clears throat> please drink a tall glass of Shut the Hell Up. This is a game that's free, has free servers. Uh, what are you, five years old? Complaining that your big brother got a different G.I. Joe for Christmas? <sighs> but seriously, <clears throat> if I was Valve, I would actually have given us a new map. I would have called it Gaben's Lower Intestine, and it basically would have been Vertigo, but all the walls are brown and the skybox is gravy. Star Series Season 8 has begun. We had the first day yesterday. This is a tournament that's been playing for $500,000 in Belek, Turkey. Now, some of the more current affairs-minded might say, what? There's a professional game going on in Turkey right now. Isn't there some stuff going on in Turkey right now in the news? Well, you would be correct. Back in 2011, when the war in Syria started, and if you're not sure how that started, basically it began with some peaceful demonstrations against President Bashar al-Assad. They got quickly out of hand as people were gunned down by the military. And after that point, several factions got involved. One of the factions was the Kurdish militias. 
the strongest of which was the People's Protection Units, a.k.a. YPG, that's uh, their Kurdish initials. If you don't know who the Kurds are, they're basically a stateless people, you can Google them, but they're not exactly a part of <clears throat> a, a description of any one country. They're an ethnic group, uh, and they're in various countries. Now, Obama at the time didn't really get involved in the Syrian war until about 2014, when ISIS were really starting to get on the juice in that region. And America's best allies at the time were the YPG, the People's Protection Units. Those guys took a lot of land as part of the uh, take back against the Syrian government. And uh, people like ISIS. Turkey was actually another ally because they are a member of NATO and a good American ally. But the militia, the problem with this is the militia, the YPG, uh, they're an offshoot of a Kurdish guerrilla group who are known as the Kurdistan Workers' Party, and those guys have been fucking up shit in Turkey for ages, like decades. So Turkey got angry that these guys, after the Syrian war, or you know during the Syrian war, got a bunch of control of areas quite close to their border, and so they wanted to go over there and shit on them, basically. And Obama convinced the group <clears throat> to change their name to the Syrian Democratic Forces, this didn't really work, though. So the U.S. got involved patrolling borders uh, in between Turkey and Syria. But then Donald Trump, also known by his Kurdish initials, C-U-N-T, he pulled almost everybody out and Turkey invaded Syria. So the winners for that invasion are potentially the Islamic State and previous Syrian government. And also basically Russia, because they've been puppeteering the Syrian government since the beginning, apparently. Um and so if you're wondering what this, what's going on with this investigation, just a little bit more news for you. Uh, two days ago, it was reported the UN was investigating claims of white phosphorus being used in the uh, war. There was pictures of children who appeared to have been suffering what looked like uh, the burns from white phosphorus. White phosphorus is basically chemical warfare. <clears throat> That's been banned under the Geneva Convention, I think, since World War II, because it is so inhumane. Amnesty International have also said they have compiled damning evidence of crimes committed by Turkish forces and Syrian militias backed by Ankara. Amnesty have claimed they displayed a shameful disregard for civilian life, including through summary killings and unlawful attacks that have killed and injured civilians. So... Star Series, Season 8, $500,000, 16 teams. Liquid and Astralis are not there. They've got some amazing teams, but Liquid and Astralis are not there. And uh, I guess we should go through the teams that aren't there because there are more top 20 teams than there are less. So <clears throat> Liquid have kind of been smarting after losing to Greyhound at Malmo. They also lost to Optic in a best of one and before that to Astralis at ESL1 New York in the semis. Uh, they have been getting a little bit of flack lately because of their performances. In fact, the Greyhound game uh, at Malmo, I guess you could put some of it down to the jet lag from coming uh, pretty much straight away from New York to Malmo. But this was a bizarre game. I pointed it out on Twitter. There was a team kill from NAF to Twist that was just weird. I don't know if anyone's come out and said anything about it yet from the Liquid Camp. But the mood in this team seems to have taken a swing for the worse. So perhaps it's not. It's good that they're not here right now and they're working out their issues in some sort of gaming room uh, in Los Angeles. Astralis 
probably a smarting a bit from the loss to Fnatic in the grand final at Malmo. Not only did they lose to Fnatic in the grand final there, but they also lost the finals uh, of ESL 1 New York to Evil Geniuses. Both of these were upsets. Uh, Evil Geniuses, I think, was kind of predictable from maybe the first couple of rounds in ESL 1 New York because those guys are on such an energized uh, upswing right now. But Fnatic was not predicted uh, by basically anyone. If you'd looked at some of the patterns in the past with these guys, you might have been able to uh, draw a line to the grand finals, but it was still pretty surprising. Australians have beaten Fnatic online since then, and quite soundly. So, who knows? You know, they don't have the, uh, perhaps the titanium armor back yet of their massive streak at number one uh, last year, but they are back to number one right now, and I guess partly that's carrying over from winning the major, making two grand finals. Uh, I think it's probably good that these guys are taking a break now, as we've seen that taking a little break uh, in the form of, um, well, for the Australis players, often pays off. Other top 10 teams out there are Ents. They've been copping a lot of flack lately as well because of the switch from Alexi B to Sonny. Sonny came out and said that social media and paying attention to it has been a bit of a problem for these guys. I would like to know who the coach is. Um, not who the coach is, but where's the coach? Where's the manager? <clears throat> get these guys off social media. Just get them off that shit. It's not hard. You can do it with children, and I think it should be done with adults if they are being affected by what people are saying on social media. They're either paying too much attention to social media um, as a quantity or too much attention to social media um, as a... How should I say that? As a quantity? Well... They're paying too much in time spent and probably giving too much weight to it and or both. So I think that should be restricted. Why not? In the week leading up to a tournament, uh, just take them off social media and make them promise either to not go on. And if they can't promise and they can't help themselves, then just uh, make them sign a contract that... um, Basically, if they go on social media in some way, I don't know, they stand to forfeit prize money or something because it's a distraction. It's a distraction to everyone, civilians. But if you are trying to uh, prepare for a tournament and are subject to the kind of uh, barrages of criticism public players like these guys are, I'm sure it's a thousand times worse. These guys lost to Furia and Vitality at Malmo and G2 at New York twice. In best of threes. And remember, that's G2 with Kiyoshima standing in. And yes, Sony coming in didn't happen too too long before that. But they also lost to a Vanguard and Forza at Moscow. And I think really their failure is inadvertently making Alexi B dollars. Because if you think about it, if they'd won back-to-back tournaments or even made the grand finals at uh, New York... It probably would have been an argument that Alexi B wasn't the key to their success. So I can imagine every round they lost in these tournaments, Alexi B was sitting there with an accountant's visor. You know, those green accountant's visors, just calculating future earnings, browsing mega yachts on the megayachts.com, negging Jason Lake with anime emojis in response to his frantic DMing. Another team in the top 20 who are actually only just scraping into the top 20 at this point is FaZe. They are ranked 19th. 19th. This is their lowest ranking since the Jurassic Age. They got cranged at New York by Optic and Evil Geniuses. They've been up and down online since. What's difficult to note here is 
what the hierarchy is because there was a very definite hierarchy when Carrigan was in charge and now I don't really know exactly who's in charge. It feels like the lunatics are running the asylum a bit. Tricked and not here. They're in the top 20 basically because they won, um, what did they win? V4 Future Sports Festival whatever it's called. These guys didn't qualify because they lost a heroic in the qualifiers for Star Series. They've had some back and forth results online since winning V4. Actually, they have Peacemaker now as a coach. He was replaced WinSpy. These guys are going to need another big event to stay in the top 20 uh, or they'll be out basically next week, I would say. Greyhound. Now, Greyhound had some very dirty (coughs) upsets in Malmo. They beat Evil Geniuses in a best of one and Liquid in a best of three. <clears throat> Pardon me. Yeah, they went down to Mouse Sports and Nip in the same tournaments, but this is what we need. This is what the Australian scene needs. Renegade's been paving the way since, what was it, London, face it, Major? Uh, and Greyhound are laying the bricks right now. The addition of Sico has been absolutely massive, a.k.a. Simon Williams. He's cruising on a 1.2 rating right now. And I would just like to say that people like Richard Lewis... Uh, when I say people like Richard Lewis, I mean Richard Lewis. He insists on calling these guys unprofessional or not professionals, or at least uh, in particular Dick Stacy. I think it's mostly because he disagrees with the humor that Dick Stacy has and gets a little bit aggrieved by the adulation that the younger members of the Counter-Strike fan scene give him. But I'm sorry... Are these guys, or are they not, getting paid for what they do? I reported back in IEM 2017 that Greyhound were, in fact, on salaries. And Google tells me a professional is a person engaged or qualified in a profession. They tick that box. A person engaged in a specified activity, especially a sport, as a main paid occupation rather than a pastime. They tick that box. Uh, or a person competent or skilled in a particular activity. They also tick that box. So they are professionals. Uh, and you like it or you don't when it comes to the Stacey brand of humor, but you cannot deny that they are improving as a team. And basically being in the top 20, I think uh, you cannot you cannot deny them the status of being professionals. You can argue whether their behavior is professional or not, But that's a subjective definition. Because after all, one of the things that contributes to their success or popularity or probably sponsorship deals is the amount of notoriety they get. And you might say that Dick Stacey's humor is unprofessional, but then you might have to say the same thing about people like Conor McGregor. And if part of your career is getting big matches and making big money, then it would seem to be part of that profession. I would say also, if you're an Australian fan, go to HLTV and look at how Greyhound have dominated the Australian scene since they've got back. Uh, Actually, even if you're not an Australian fan, these guys even won a qualifier against Order recently with a stand-in who was a female player. So I think the fact that they're getting these sorts of opportunities overseas, being able to boot camp, you know, several times in Europe, is not only doing great things for that team, but also the Australian scene as a whole. Crazy, the last top 20 team who are not here. These guys just won DreamHack Rotterdam. And that is actually an amazing achievement because they lost Hunter and Nexa quite recently to G2 and replaced them with ships. <coughs> ships you would know from doing great things on Windigo. And also Emmy. Emmy was previously the coach 
uh, and before that he was a player, but previously the coach or last seen as the coach. And these guys didn't do too badly. Ships in particular impressed a hell of a lot. And part of the reason they won Rotterdam was because Esperanto appeared to have been freed up a bit by the departure of Nexra Hunter. They won Rotterdam over a Vanguard in the semis and then Heroic in the final. Uh, so hashtag don't fake it, hashtag respect these guys are not going anywhere. Now the teams actually playing Star Series are Fnatic. These guys are hot to trot after winning Malmo. They beat Tyloo, G2, Furia, Nip, Astralis and then Vitality in the finals. A massive run for them. They were all best of threes and this obviously comes on the back of the addition of Golden and Flusher to the teams. Now I predicted that Golden would be out by January next year and Olaf Meister would be back in. I haven't been proven wrong yet and I think it's worth remembering exactly what the climate was last time these guys had an upset tournament with this lineup because there's a lot of people who are now getting behind Golden and shitting on Fnatic for not having brought him back sooner or for kicking him the first time but we've got to remember just before their very surprising victories at Katowice and WSG 2017-2018 they had had one of the worst results ever. They went out in last place in Star Series I-League Season 4. They lost to Gambit, Tyloo, and Renegades at that tournament. And they'd also lost to Space Soldiers, Ukraine, Ago, and Limitless in the WESG qualifiers in the first place. Uh, their placement before that in E-League Major was a, was a disappointment where they lost to an out-of-form SK. They gave up ECS Season 4 to Olaf Meister on phase. They were knocked out of Ebi Center by Hellraisers and Heroic. Hellraisers and Heroic were not great teams at that time. And they were knocked out of E-League Premier by Astralis. So these guys were pretty frustrated. They weren't getting as deep in tournaments as they were used to. And it wasn't just because they had a nemesis team. It wasn't like a Liquid or Astralis thing. These guys were losing to anyone and everyone when the pressure was on. So I think it's worth remembering that one of the reasons Golden was on the chopping block in the first place was because they had had the biggest slump since their basically entry to CSGO, it felt like. Uh, As far as I remember, they'd already teed up Exist to replace Golden um, after WESG, or after Katowice, actually. And it was simply because they'd won that tournament that they went on to keep him for WESG. Or the other way around, I forget which one it was. So the reason they won those tournaments, I've been told, is because Golden's mid-round course was so good. Whatever it was, something was freed up in the team. The slack was loosened, and that appears to have been <clears throat> the situation at Malmo as well. The time they had away without Flusher has probably um, increased, you know, the way they appreciate him. Absence makes the heart grow fonder, and perhaps Golden's got a bit more respect now, considering he's stuck around in the scene, had some stints overseas, and hasn't really gone anywhere uh, in the best way possible. These guys have beat Imperial, beaten Imperial in the first day of Star Series. They crushed them, but then they went down to Renegades in their second best of three on the first day. So, I mean, I don't think that winning Melmo necessarily means these guys are going to be top 10 consistently or even top five. Uh, and I still wouldn't write out Olaf Meister coming back in January. But who knows? 
Imperial, uh, you might not know them very well. They are definitely not the old British man's not hot team that gave birth to what we know as crazy. These guys are Brazilians. They were signed, most of them, in July this year. And they've already been crunched by Fnatic in round one and are down to the lower bracket. Renegades haven't had a peep on land since a fairly good run at the major. But gratisfaction is basically the main talking point with this team. Uh, he's been copying a lot of criticism. I think we spoke about him last podcast too because he doesn't have the consistently high stats that we're used to an Orpa having. Uh, these guys played MIBR and then Fnatic, as mentioned, on the first day. And against MIBR, Renegades were making some very dodgy mistakes. They did manage to rally in the third map. They had two overtimes uh, in two of the three maps. Gratisfaction wasn't great against MIBR, but he did manage to kill it against Fnatic, top frag in both maps, uh, and they won that best of three, 2-0. This could be because of the way MIBR is set up with two Orpas. And I think Fnatic is still just going with J-Dub right now <clears throat> as the Orpa. So who knows? Who knows? I think some of the mistakes they were making against MIBR could have been nerves, communications. It, it, they were unforced errors, basically. And I think that has something to do with mood as opposed to preparation. So these guys might actually improve as the tournament goes on. Um MIBR, I'm not sure about where these guys even sit anymore. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what this team stands for right now. I'm not sure what their strengths are. I'm not sure what their weaknesses are. Even after watching a best of three, uh, my only I feel like an amnesiac from the film Memento. I don't know who I am. I don't know what my name is. If you look at the Old Immortals roster, two of the members who are now on this team, uh, Lucas and KNG, they were a flash in the pan. They were so fast and so aggressive. They were like the uh, proto-Furia. But this team now with three MIBR and two ex-Immortals seems like a weird mix. I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. I think I need a Brazilian fan to come on and tell me exactly what's going on. Vitality are also in this tournament. They are looking way better with shocks. Uh, they played at Malmo with him. They were vibing. It looked like they were having a lot more fun than with MBK. They looked a little more dynamic as a team instead of a bit turgid. If these guys have another good showing here, I think uh, MBK is going to be cursing because he's like the inverse of Alexi B. Basically, every victory they have makes MBK stock drop like the Dow Jones last Wednesday. But actually, these guys didn't do so well online post-Malmo. They failed to qualify for EPL. However, they have beat Invictus here and then North 2-1 to one on the first day. So it could be a bit of, um, you know, online rust. Invictus are another team who are playing here. They are a Chinese team. They're ranked 52nd. They beat MVP and Vichy to qualify, but generally they're up and down online. They haven't beaten Tai Lu in the last three or four months. One of the things I like about these guys is that they have a player called Flying. I like someone whose name is an active noun. He's living in the moment. There's other players uh, with tenses in their name, uh, and I like them too. They include Seized. Which I guess is past tense, which seems kind of fitting considering the state of his career. Uh, Fallen, also past tense. Makes you wonder whether his career is uh, ever going to get back up to where it was. Uh, Tricked, which is a team name, I guess. And I guess maybe Tricked might be better as Tricking uh, or Will Be Tricked or Gonna Trick. But I guess it could also mean that We Tricked You. 
But I think more players should add the present tense to their name. I think Rush would be much better as rushing and Twist would be better as twisting. And of course, uh, Pasha Biceps would be better as Pasha Bicepsing. Mel Sports are also here. They are wobbly as all buggery. Uh, I went to see Cirque du Soleil two weekends ago and there was a performer at Cirque du Soleil who... Well, basically, in, in the middle of the in the in the middle of the the big tent, there was a giant swing, and this guy put a tin can on its side, so it was rolling about on the swing, and then he placed a wooden board on top of the tin can, and then he put another tin can facing the other way on top of that, and then another board, and then two tin cans on their ends, and another board, and he stood up on them, and then two people started to swing the whole thing and he balanced on it <clears throat> and that's basically how it feels to watch a mouse sports match as a fan these guys looked good online recently they beat phase optic and big had some good victories at malmo but they were bested via vitality with shocks which is not a good sign and after the embarrassment of losing to virtus pro in a best of three in the semis of v4 only what two weeks ago or three weeks ago these guys for me are no longer getting a free pass i need results I feel like we've blown all the hot air we possibly could up Carrigan's B-hole. Now it's time for a tournament win. And these guys went out to North on the first map in the first day of Star Series. And apparently you could hear banging of desks minutes after they had lost. I wouldn't put it past Rops to get uh, some banging of desks in. He's a notorious tilter. In fact, I'm going to call him the notorious T-I-L-T from now on. The mentality on this team just seems fucked. You know what? It's funny. When they started playing together and shot into the top five, they were obviously having so much fun. But I guess it is telling that people who have that much fun when they're winning, I guess the inverse might be true. They uh, have such a tough time of it when they start losing. Now, speaking of North... These guys definitely looked better in, uh, in the Mouse Sports map with Cajun B instead of Valdez. It's possible that uh, the oversized presence of Valdez was suffocating some of the other members of this team. Uh, and Cajun is certainly no stranger to playing with these, well, all four of the players before. Apparently, Kirby uh, is the only one he hasn't played with before. So these guys are probably on the upswing. Um, and Gade is in-game leading. Or at least I was feeling there on the upswing because they shortly after lost against Vitality. I would say that North or the North management are probably kicking themselves that Blame F slipped out of their grasp and is now sipping on gin and human growth hormones in uh, Jason Lake's private apocalypse bunker in Fort Worth. Evil geniuses are also here. These guys should be smarting from Malmo. They won ESL 1 New York only, what, a day before? They were in Malmo, which was an upset and a half. Uh, Stanislaw has finally made the grade. Stanislaw uh, has been exactly what this team needed, it would appear. And actually, if you didn't see or you didn't hear, there was an interview with Valens on Pig's Advantage. He did quite an interesting interview with the boys there. And one of the things he talked about was how valuable Tarek was to him and the team back when Cloud9 were winning the major in that era. And in particular because Tarek, as an in-game leader, wasn't necessarily the guy who would come up with the strats, but he was the guy who would remember them all and bring them up at various times in the game and jog everyone's memory about these things. 
Stanislaw, as we know, is a bit of an egghead when it comes to tactics, and so it seems like this is actually a combo that could do great things. If you've got someone generating the ideas and someone able to recall them in the heat of the moment, that's a recipe for success. Their confidence was sky high at New York. You could tell Breezy was popping off. Circulese was absolutely going massive. But these guys are obviously not as prepared for some teams, uh, uh, for the schedule, I should say, as some of the teams here uh, or at Malmo like Astralis. Astralis seemed to have some sort of half-man, half-giant hand that's trained in anti-jet-lag shiatsu who smacks them around during long-haul flights, and I think evil geniuses need to get on that kind of stuff. Stat, as I mentioned, when these guys switched over from NRG to evil geniuses, they now have a huge amount more infrastructure. So I expect to see some behind-the-scenes footage of Stanislaw on the massage table in the next tournament. Five Power are also here. These guys are another Chinese team. They're ranked 93, so I wouldn't expect them to do much here at all. But they did beat qualify. Uh, beat to beat qualify. They did beat Tyler to qualify for this tournament, although they lost to them for IEM Beijing. I feel like Five Power currently are like China's order, order the Australian team, because they sometimes look like a contender, but they don't consistently beat all the other Chinese teams. Ninjas in Pajamas. Also here, this is their first online, uh, first offline games, I should say, since adding Threat back as a tactician. He was only out of NIP for what, like about a year after leaving in inverted commas, in inverted commas to pursue other opportunities. NIP have had some cracking online matches in the last week, even if their lands before that weren't so hot. This team kind of has a rotating series of top fraggers, and I don't think it's a good sign partly because Rez is supposed to be the star player, I assume, of this team. Uh, but right now, it's either Plopsky, Lekra, or Forrest who are top fragging. So I don't know exactly what's going on with Rez. I don't know what he's doing. Um, I haven't seen him pop like Pringles since IEM Oakland 2000 years ago. Uh, so what are you doing, Rez Bieber? Get amongst it, champ. Furia have dropped to 11th place, but they're in this tournament, and they've been nothing but up and down. They've lost to teams like Sprout and Clyde now, uh, Cloud9 in best of threes online and off quite recently, but they did also manage to beat MIBR. It doesn't speak too much, I think, because they're both Brazilian teams, and when you have another nationality team, sometimes the results don't really say too much because you know the other players quite well. Art still seems to be pushing like a maniac, and Disabled J is sitting on the sidelines for Henny. This is probably do or die for these guys if they drop out of this tournament as well. I think we can safely say that they were in the right time at the right place earlier this year. Avangar were narrowly taken out of Rotterdam recently by a revamped Crazy. Uh, they played a huge amount of online matches recently, but they were up and down in their results. Losing to the new team of Crazy in the semis of Rotterdam also doesn't bode well. But I think Avangar are riding a dark stallion these days and jame or jame h christ as he will heretofore be known is actually quite a solid consistent orpa kick it as we know as a god the question is do they have the infrastructure in place to slap sanji and buster in the face and tell them to pull their socks up and not slack off does adren have the fire to set the example of relentless striving in this team and i for one doubt it but who knows Heroic are also here, and they're here off the back of a very good grand final at Rotterdam. These guys, as well as Crazy, are pretty new. In August, they traded Burrup for NATO Saffix. They sent Freiburg off in a burning Viking long raft. They brought back Snappy. 
Then they turned around last month uh, and couldn't see Blame F behind them. Uh, and all they could hear, in fact, was the sonic boom of Jason Lake's departing jet. Then they got Katie in from north, and suddenly everyone realized Stown was the greatest Danish player since Stown. These guys have been up and down since Blame F did leave, though, and have dropped from 12th place to 18th place. But I think the feeling is good. The vibes were good at uh, Rotterdam. And I'd say as well, with a fragging IGL leaving, it probably frees up the players to make some plays themselves. See Fig 1.3, Ref, North, vis Vald, et uh, G2, um, I should say, Crazy, vis Hunter. Or Nexa. Whoever was a bloody IGL of that team. Navi are also here. Now, Navi have had a large upswing since adding Guardian. It feels like a com- completely different team. After prying away the fingers of Zeus and Kane so that Blade could step into the spotlight with his patent leather brogues, after the debacle that was Moscow, aka the Zeus send-off, uh, these guys were vibing at Malmo. They beat Nip, Optic, and North and only went down to a very enthusiastic shock slate and vitality. They'd be looking great online too, and perhaps this change is everything that the team needed. They haven't been without their tilts. Uh, I think it was at Malmo, or maybe it was just online. We saw a bit of simple getting frustrated. Uh, I don't know. Any time will tell whether he is going to play well with Guardian or not, but at least having some good vibes in this team is a bloody relief if you're a Navi fan and a simple fan or a Guardian fan, as you know I am. Now, G2 are the final team at Star Series, and they haven't actually looked too bad with Hunter and Nexa. They've been lighter and happier. Maybe not as dangerous as some of the final matches they had with Shocks there. I'm thinking of Dallas when they were starting to fire up. And all in all, these guys are not nearly the disaster I was imagining. That's basically it for Star Series. This is actually going to be a good tournament. Um, What we should do is just go through some of the other news real quick and then we'll get on to I think a little bit of talk about comedy and tragedy some of the other news that's happened recently Cloud9 have benched 10s and they're trialing Sub Rosa this is shortly after Valens left obviously going to go and take that sweet startup cash from all the VCs flinging millions of dollars to anyone with machine learning in their resume uh, but uh, I did talk about this on Twitter to one time listener or sometime listener or all-time listener in fact Gabe G I think Tens was not putting up the kind of numbers we would have expected from a young you know up and coming tipped as the next big thing player and I think he suffers from a comparison to someone who joined uh, only a month before a month after him which was Oboe at Complexity because Oboe made big waves and Tens has just disappointed I would say that bringing in Sub Rosa <clears throat> on a trial basis or a temporary basis is exactly what it says in the name. They're going to have him for the next two tournaments, apparently, but I would say that Daps is biding his time until he can find another younger, solider, solider, more solid prospect, I should say, to <clears throat> bring into the team and take a swing with. Um, and I think this is because... I think this because one of the things they mentioned about Sub Rosa was that they wanted someone with experience i.e. they want a very solid role player who they can tell what to do uh, who's going to be personable so they don't have to worry about trying to find a whole new role for this that person in the team while they find someone with a bit more potential uh, what else? Steel 
Still the Brazilian player, the ex-Immortals player, has gone to movie star writers. He's joined Lowell, who's back there too, which is interesting. I didn't think I would see him going to a Spanish team, but there you go. It's nice to see him back. Uh, Heretics, I I guess we should also mention uh, these guys have signed Devo Duvek and Logan is out. And Heretics are basically the old 3D Max team. One of the other big news uh, items about these guys, and probably why I'm mentioning them in the first place, is that Kiyoshima is there. These guys lost in a dreadful series to Tricked Online maybe 24 hours ago. I think they managed to get a, a, a total of about seven rounds. So that doesn't bode well. Now, Kiyoshima got a lot of flack for joining these guys because on stream he said he wasn't doing it for the money. If he wanted to get the money, he would go back and play in NA and he wanted to play in Heretics because he wanted to play in Heretics, goddammit. He got a lot of flack from people who said that, well, you only get one chance to make a lot of money in Counter-Strike and you should make hay while the sun shines. Here's the thing, though. You only get one life as well and... And I think one of the criticisms uh, or one of the um, cliches about dying is that no one really regrets um, not spending enough time working. Um, And so I think the fact that Kiyoshima is obviously putting other things as a priority over making money, like possibly living in his own uh, country near his friends and family and loved ones, really points to the fact that there is a large <clears throat> disparity between the priorities of some pro players and some of the Reddit community. I would say uh, you need to consider if you're criticizing that result or that uh, choice that Kiyoshima made, consider that perhaps other people have different priorities and neither one is correct. Uh, what else do we have? Ye has left Swole Patrol. I want to get Ye on for a an interview. I'm going to work on that behind the scenes. He's out in uh, the breeze. Uh, what else? Dream Eaters have lost their roster entirely. I think they've been picked up by someone called Hard Legion, which apparently is a Russian team formed by a YouTuber. They were having some um, tiffs with the CEO of Dream Eaters and the management. Windstrike have added Hobbit, Crison, and Lack one uh, What else have we got? Scream and HS have been benched as Gamer Legion decided to build an all-Swedish roster. That's a bit weird, isn't it? Can these guys just find a solid team, please? Uh, I should mention Nip have brought on Twist again. I didn't mention that when I talked about Nip, but uh, those guys looked better with him um, at Malmo than they did with Get Right, who is now retired from NIP completely, although not retired from Counter-Strike. I think we're going to see him <clears throat> in a new team probably in the new year. Um, as I mentioned, Complexity now have Blame F. They also have Rush. I think that's awesome for Will. I think he's uh, definitely got some more juice in the tank. And, of course, G2 have Shocks and Vitality. Let's just talk a little bit about comedy and tragedy and we'll wrap this episode up. So, like a lot of you probably, I saw the movie Joker recently, and one of the things that stood out to me was the line that I believe was used in the trailer as well, where he says, I used to think my life was a tragedy, and now I realize it's a comedy. And this is because these terms have been used 
quite recently by some screenwriting executives while uh, screenwriting executives I should say uh, movie executives while I was talking to them about a script I was working on and I realized that they were using a vernacular uh, that I was not really fully aware of basically um, it comes back to a book from a person called Jill Chamberlain who created this thing called the nutshell technique back in 2016 I think 2015 Uh, and it's nothing new and I think a lot of these screenwriting gurus uh, make a bunch of money every few years by rebranding the same thing. But either way, it's interesting. And I think it actually has some interesting things to say about our lives um, through a different lens. So what the way she defines comedy and tragedy in her um, technique, I should say, for want of a better word, is using the Aristotelian definition. So when Aristotle defined comedy and tragedy um, back in his poetics, they basically went along these lines. A tragedy is a drama in which the major characters are not average, they're heroes, kings and gods. The condition of their life goes from good to bad and a tragic flaw of the protagonist brings about his or her downfall. And the purpose of a tragedy is catharsis, which cleanses the soul of fear and pity that most people carry within themselves. Uh, his, co- his definition of comedy is the major characters in a comedy are average people and the conditions of a pra- protagonist's life goes from bad to good. I think the the definition has been changed somewhat by uh, various movements and I think a lot of people have disagreed with his definitions since then. <clears throat> but the way Jill Chamberlain defines it takes it in a slightly different direction too and it comes from what we do in screenwriting now generally in Hollywood uh, as part of the course and basically the way it works is there's three acts to a script and the character begins or a hero begins the script with a uh, flaw something in their past that either they did or that happened to them that they can't get over as a result of that flaw they have developed a compensating behavior to make themselves forget uh, how much that flaw hurts them. And some people call it misbehavior. Now, in the first act of the film, that's basically just all set up and the audience sees what the flaw is, how they're compensating for something and wonders whether this journey that they're going to go on in the film will allow them the chance to uh, change and whether they will change or not. So it's an opportunity for change, right? Basically, the second act of the film, which makes up two-thirds of the film, uh, is essentially, or I should say half of the film, actually, it's essentially an opportunity for them to change. And they're presented with all the uh, good things that could happen if they change and all the bad things that can happen if they change. And if they are presented in the first half of the second act with uh, the good things that can happen if they change, then what's going to happen traditionally in a Hollywood strain structure is that the second half of the second act, they will start to slide down into the bad things that happen when they don't change or the bad things that also happen when they change because change is tough, right? That's what we saw in The Joker. 
in Joker. And so when that happened, I knew that in the third act, he was going to double down on his flaws, uh, on his misbehavior, and not actually face the flaws properly and choose to go full Joker style, right? So we can see this in a lot of scripts, and that's what... uh, that's what delineates a comedy from a tragedy, right? So a tragedy, and, and a comedy, you gotta you gotta um, realize is not doesn't mean it's funny. It basically just means something, uh, someone's life gets better, and a tragedy basically means someone's life gets worse. And the delineation, and sorry, that the main event that delineates these two is that the character chooses at the end of the second act to either uh, try and change or double down on who they were at the start of the film, right? So we see Joker double down and it end in tragedy. So I think this is kind of instructive for our lives because a lot of what I've talked about in this podcast are compensating behaviors because video game playing is very clearly or compulsive video game playing a compensative behavior where we don't feel too good about ourselves or we feel slightly unable to deal with the pressures of life, we turn to a video game that gives us very cheap and easy and fast uh, feelings of satisfaction and achievement, right? And this can often be to avoid a pain or a flaw in our past, something that's happened to us or something that we've done that we may feel ashamed of. Our lives are only going to get better if we accept that we not only need to change, but have to change. And the way this three-act structure uh, can give us comfort, I think, and the reason it resonates so much is because it's true. It can give us comfort because it clearly demonstrates that if we try and change, we do have a period of initial success. If you've seen Joker, you remember, he does start to win, right? He does start to get his life a bit, uh, you know, together. Um, and it seems like everything's going a bit better. And then it all takes a turn for the worse around about the halfway point. And it starts to go down and you start to see people push back against the change that that character's trying to make. The world pushes back. The world says, we don't want you to change. We want you to remain this punching bag. We want you to remain someone we can victimize. This is what happens when we try and make a change in our life. Or this is what can happen. And at some point, at the lowest point, at the point which screenwriting doctors have often called the point of no return or the dark night of the soul, we have to choose, we have to choose that this pain is going to be worth it. And if we continue to try and make a change in our life, we can see as demonstrated by these stories that our life will invariably be better. If we decide that that pain is too much and we double down, it ends in tragedy. So I think it's kind of interesting to think about what that line means and why that film used it so well. Um, I didn't really have much more to say about it than that. But I guess in short, the way your life goes from a tragedy to a comedy is through change and through a commitment to change and to recognizing your compensating behaviors, putting them aside for one moment and confronting the flaw, the hurt, 
in your past, which is tough, and then making a change, transforming, as it were. And that's it for this podcast. I hope you enjoy the rest of Star Series Season 8. I will hopefully be back a little bit sooner than the last episode. I still want to do a um, patron-only episode, so if you have any suggestions, uh, please let me know as to what they might be. Um, And in the meantime, enjoy the game. Thank you.